Travis Nixon, and this is Folico Live. Um, futures not starting uh, on the right foot today. I see uh, QQQ down about 1% pre-market. Uh, alongside our one of our shorts, at least, uh, JKHY, those puts are going to, the 210 puts uh, that we bought earlier this week are going to be at least a double uh, if we open here, if not more. Unfortunately, can't say the same thing for Home Depot. Um, we had discussed some mitigating factors for why we, we would size that one down, but the same, we don't, you know, we obviously don't like seeing um, any losers at all, even if, you know, we're, we're net net positive today. Um, we're we're going to take a look at some sector stuff today and just kind of have a general markets conversation because obviously the last month has been pretty tough and, and we think we have some things that, that add value in terms of your, how, how to think about managing risk and, and trading in this, in this context where it's been, you know, pretty, pretty choppy McChops worth. Now, Home Depot is interesting because um, I, I think that it is, we talked about it in the context of retail. And I think that's an okay framing for Home Depot. It is affected largely by retail. But I, I think that there was one factor that I at least missed in thinking about it is that when home prices go up, there's a lot of incentive to spruce your, your home up instead of upsizing or anything like that. It's expensive to move into that next option. So you're going to want to home renovate instead of uh, home relocate. So yes. I, I think that there is that effect we're picking up in Home Depot, whereas we're not going to see that in the rest of retail. There's a lot of like fuss going on around Walmart beating expectations, but <laughs> I think that those are expectations that have already that I, I, I'm trying to think of the right analogy for this. That was a smooth move to guide down and then beat your own guidance. Well played, sir. Well played. Well played, sir. Well played. But, but my favorite part, though, my favorite part was how Target, who didn't have the shenanigans, probably did about in line with with where where Walmart was, but they didn't guide their price down into the depths right beforehand. So Target's just sitting there like, oh, man, <laughs> like, what? It's like that Pulp Fiction meme of John Travolta just kind of looking around like, hey, guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's what happens. And I think, you know, as an aside, not that anybody cares, I think Target's probably the best run out of any of those. So that would make sense why they weren't playing any of those games. Um, and from what I understand, they have a good bit of inventory that they are going to have to uh, get out of there at some lower prices. So obviously that's, that's not good. Um, that's kind of the other side of, of this uh, supply chain disaster is at some point all of the deliveries are going to get filled and they may just show up at once and sit on your shelves. So this will be something that uh, we definitely want to keep track of going forward because we're kind of teetering both actually and in terms of market pricing on is this going to actually be a recession? Uh, how nasty will it be? We've already had the two negative uh, quarters of growth. To me, Q1 of every year is always weirdly weak, so it only almost doesn't count. There have been a couple situations where it's printed negative uh, 0.9 or you know just some small negative number. It's always weak. Uh, nobody can figure out why the, the, the big brains in the Eccles building have, have worked on it. I've read the papers. They have no idea. Um, but, but this is you know, something that, that we're going to keep, keep them uh, watching. And to me, I would like to see Qs 2 and 3 have negative growth. And that would confirm it to me in terms of two consecutive because I pretty much just write off Q1 as just being seasonally weak or, or however you want to you wanna, uh, frame it. It just is never as strong. 
is that sector dependent? Is it is Q1 weak across the board or is there like because if you told me it was retail, that'd make a lot of sense because retail puts all of their effort into closing out Q4 with the Christmas shopping and all that stuff, right? So Q1, everyone's exhausted and like leaving for a month. I totally get that that would be. But if you're saying that Q1 is weak even in like energy, that I don't understand as much. I think it's I think it's more retail and I think it's more for example years where there's a big snow that stops the northeast in January or February, nobody gets to to work, nobody buys or a anything. Snowflakes in Texas and the whole state shuts down. Hey, listen, if it gets but I was I was frozen in my house. It was it was colder in my house last year at one point than it was outside. I think it was about 31 in here. We lost power. It was not fun. Um, wow. So we don't even need any snowflakes. We just needed to get about, you know, 20 degrees or something it was not a good time. But my theory is basically the weather kind of just slows the economic function. Um, so things are generally weaker um, now that I don't live in a in the Northeast anymore. I'm not as attuned to what the weather has been. And, and I could always kind of have an idea because I was looking out the window whether or not it would have the slowdown. Um, so that, that's something I'll, I'll be, you know, watching. Sorry for the ramble, guys. But I do think we are teetering on everything's going to be okay and stocks go back to new all-time highs then. Or, uh, and, and this is what Felico thinks, and this is kind of what I can't help thinking, especially if the Fed is hiking at least 50 bips a meeting, is we're not done with whatever it is we're doing. And that's, that's kind of my, my thoughts for today. I'm going to throw it over to Travis. He has um, broken out our sector views over time. So we're going to kind of talk about this and think through this. Um, we actually do have some slightly differing opinions on how to use this and, and how we're testing it. So I, I think, you know, especially if you're a technician, it'll be worthwhile. Great. Yeah. So we're producing this data every day of interesting tickers to take a look at, interesting tickers, bad tickers to consider for your trades. Uh, and so I've got a spreadsheet here that's listing uh, a lot of that. Let me... Pull that up, share my screen. There we go. So now one thing about this is that we have different time horizons. So we can uh, estimate where a stock price is going to be going on a one day basis, on a one week, two week, all the way down to 16 weeks. Now, one thing that we track over time is of these top cream of the crop trades, how many one day trades are we getting? Like if we went back a couple of weeks, we were getting two, three, sometimes some days, like none, right? No good trades. That's a pretty sour view on, on where the market's gonna be going in that real near term. But as we've been going more and more, and since what seems to be at least a localized bottoming out in mid-July, mid-June, um, Mid, yeah, call it mid, mid, yeah, June-ish, yeah, depends on what, but yes, in the last, between mid-June and mid-July, pretty much everything with the ticker at least tried to put a bottom. Unless you make oil. Correct. Or refine oil. No one makes oil. Uh, anyway, uh, so what we, what we can do is we can start zoom out a little bit. Like if you want those one day trades, get a Folico subscription, you're good to go. And pretty soon we're going to have snapshots that you can go ticker by ticker. So if you just want one individual ticker, you'll be able to zoom into that, pay a couple bucks and, and, and go with that. But if we zoom out and we start taking a more holistic view of what's going on, here's what we see. So 
we can start getting an understanding of at the one week interval, how many opportunities do we see in each of these sectors? So here we have, if, if we come over to the one day, we have 11 opportunities to go long today. That's a huge deal. 11 is more than we've seen in several weeks. Uh, so, I mean, this is this is pretty strong. Now, I will say over the past couple of weeks, and this is the way that we're looking at this is long only because we want to get these more holistic views. Um, we've I, I have not seen 11 opportunities popping up in several weeks. Now, our um, our track record that so we, we do both a real and a virtual portfolio and our virtual portfolio. We don't face barriers like, you know, liquidity or anything like that. So we we basically uh, virtually buy every stock that's in our recommendation list. And then we benchmark and track how does that whole portfolio perform uh, in our real one. Um, you know, we've actually got to make those trades and make sure we're getting in and out at the right prices and stuff like that. So it's a little bit different. But on our virtual portfolio, if you're just tracking when we make the recommendations versus how it performs over the following time period. So this one day. Uh, we're we're making significant positive returns on our one day in that portfolio. If we go over to the one week, we can see what's happening here with each of the sectors in that. So we actually have an energy opportunity, a consumer defensive opportunity, technology. Now, you might be tempted here to say like, wow, tech looks like it's doing amazingly well. But I want to caveat that. Think about how many companies are tech sector in the, the top 1100 tickers. So we do large cap stocks uh, and above. Uh, and so mo like a significant portion of all the large cap, cap stocks in the NYSE and NASDAQ are tech. Uh, so if you weight this by the denominator of how many companies we're evaluating overall, tech is actually as a sector underperforming compared to several other sectors. Industrials, there's only like what, 30 or so tickers total in industrials that that's just uh top of my head um from what i can recall so if you're saying that four out of 30 industrials versus six out of 350 technology we're actually seeing more opportunity industrials so keep that in mind but if we put all this together we can actually come out with a view and a graph of where we're seeing long opportunities by sector now what this is saying is if you purchased each of these tickers now here's how much percent gain you would, or I'm, I'm, here's, you would achieve a positive percent gain in this period. Now, what we have here on the y-axis is the count of how many tickers there are in that sector. So that means here we have uh, our utility sector and, is that utilities? Value zero. No, this is, sorry, Excel, get me down here. It's so funny, the guy's a Python wizard, but completely solved by Excel. <laughs> Don't give me user user experience. Just give me numbers and code. <laughs> All right. So uh, if we're looking here in the near term, uh, what we're going to see is a lot of opportunity in tech, consumer cyclical, healthcare, industrials, right? Uh, but you can see how this evolves over time. Uh, and what we're seeing is four sectors really kind of popping and having more opportunity than the others, especially if you're willing to trade on the ticker basis and find have, good opportunities in those. I haven't seen this until just now. So what are those top three best performers? That's utilities. I'm just seeing if there's a 
there's a narrative there because utilities are a very risk off name in general. Yeah. So utilities, uh, obviously not because we just did that uh, evaluation. In fact, I've got to find out what's happening here with my graph. Why that is getting so weird. Um, but essentially what we've got to do uh, is, is now we can just come to the numbers. But if we look at this, what we're seeing here is short term opportunities in tech. But actually that tech opportunity number really kind of dissolves quite quickly, especially when you're looking at the four to 16 week time period. And this is actually quite well aligns with our hypotheses that we were coming out with before. If you recall, watch our, our episode last week. Uh, we were talking about tech. Um, do you remember which day that was, Tyler, by chance? We talked about it a couple times last week. But our core hypothesis was that we were going to see some bottoming out happening in September. So yes. what this is telling me is if you find short-term opportunity in tech, great, go for it. But you're talking about a solution space of picking the best five out of 350. The odds of doing that, you've got to be really good. Or you've got to be a subscriber to Folico, either one. And within tech, there's lots of, I would consider like tech's it's almost its own index because within tech, we have software, we have the semis, we have, you know, the spacky, you know, Ponzi gross stuff. We have, you know, we have, we have all sorts of different flavors of tech. So that's the other thing, you know, that I like to do is I start to then to dive in and say, okay, fine. You like tech, what tech do you like? And from there you kind of start to see, okay, maybe it's, it's a bounce in software like we've seen or, you know, reshort semis like, I mean, gosh, I say such bad things about semis. I'm going to have to, you know, add some puts back in my portfolio. Um, but just things like that, where you, you kind of start to see it paints a holistic picture. I mean, that's kind of what I was hoping. Like, for example, if utilities, consumer defensives and energy were going to rise in the next two weeks, I'd, I'd say, okay, that's a bearish context for, for the indices. Um, so what, what, how would you interpret having not very many good signals for the near term? Like let's take consumer defensive the next month, I would say close to a month, you're really not seeing much of anything, but then from four to 12 weeks, we see a nice pop of opportunity. What, what would that kind of view indicate? Well, let's see. So how many consumer defensives are there? There are 56. It looks like checking fully go. So, I mean, okay, so that's a decent, it's a decent move in, in uh, percent change, you know, from yeah, three, three to five. 10% I mean, of the sector at the eight week being a good purchase. So that would suggest some weakness between those periods, um, between the, the one and the, so week three and week eight, it looks like if the correlation holds where consumer defensives rally in a bearish context, in a bearish indices context, then, and I would, I would kind of expect that to happen. What I think's interesting lately is in rallies, the names that there are names that lag, uh, healthcare is lagged significantly in rallies. Um, I'm still picking on ABBV on the short side. I saw a chart yesterday, UNH, which is one of the biggest holdings in the XLV ETF. 14 straight years of year-over-year -year price gains up 377,000% since the IPO. Wow. So the idiot in me wants to pick a fight on the short side there all day long because 
it's been 12 years, but you're not getting to 13 past me. Um, so I'll, I'll, gosh, I'll, I'll tell you what I got, what I do there. Cause I'm going to have to, I mean, we've seen RSI divergences on that show. I just think contextually, um, especially given my experience in the bear market 2018, actually being in the seat, these are the names that you want to pick on the name that don't rally when all of the stuff that has been taken down bounces. Um, so that's that's kind of how I'm thinking about this. And also, good morning, guys. <laughs> we no, I, I every morning I see I see the good mornings. We never get there. You know, we should say it back. Um, thanks for watching the show. We really appreciate it. I feel really really dumb uploading videos to Twitter that nobody wa or uh, YouTube that nobody watched. So thank you so much. Hey. My parents watch religiously, Tyler. Right. Okay. So we got that's four viewers. Because um, <laughs> so do mine. Actually, um, you know what, though? I was talking to my mother the other day and she's like, oh, no, I haven't seen your show yet, but I'm going to. <laughs> right. Exactly my point. Oh, and I'm gosh. like, every day you're, you're making it a half hour longer day for you when you finally catch up. So you got to start soon. You're going to owe me 36 hours of watch time. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> thank you guys. I enjoy doing this. I love talking markets. Um, you know, hopefully I say one useful thing a day and, and you know, the 30 minutes is, is worth your time. Yep. Absolutely. So now if, if we come back to this and we see an, a, a, a different pattern. So communication services, we're actually seeing some really great strength over the next month. And then after that, it really peters out. Yes. Is that to say that it's going to be caught up by a potential third leg and we see some risk there? So there's been a lot of squirrely stuff in the communication services space lately. So I didn't put this trade on, so maybe somebody did and they made money. But when we talked about uh, ATUS, I think that puppy is up about 55% since we talked about it. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, communication services name. There's just a whole bunch of funny things going on in the the cable network kind of space right now that I just don't have a good feel for. I, I have some good access to, you know, sell side research and things like that. And, and I do read it, but I don't I can't get my mind around the long, short case for cable and some of these, uh, you know, the, the optic networks and, and things like that. I just. You know, Folico picked up a great trade. The sector squeezed and, and you know, that was a 50% trade in the in spot. So, you know, Lord knows which could have made the options. Um, but there's just so much stuff going on there on a micro level that you really need like a TMT analyst to, to kind of dig through and talk about. Like, there have been some people who have said ATUS, the equity might be a zero. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big claim and, and, I, if you've spent a hundred hours with the balance sheet that I haven't spent, I'm probably not going to fight you. I'm going to move on to a different name. So there's just a whole bunch of commotion going on in that space that unless you can really get your mind around what exactly uh, will catalyze price, we got other ideas. There's so many other tickers to trade. There are so many other assets to trade, you know, uh, don't, don't force one. That's got a whole bunch of, of uh, it's got a micro mustache. So how much does communication services success depend on iterating one more G? 
So like we went from 4G to 5G, 5G to 6G, and that's every that's the boom time of, of a lot of these tickers, right? And yet 5G seems to have been mostly a flop because I don't think people see the big difference and it hasn't been distributed well. well How much also, is that going to hurt this? Uh, that's that's the question is I'm not totally sure how much it has to do with advancement versus how much has to do with just uptake. Um, for example, just getting everyone, if we could get everyone onto whatever the latest standard is, I believe that would be fiber optic. If they could get fiber optic for everybody, that would, that would you know, drive significant um, growth, right? If, if we could get everybody everywhere in the US off of some of the more arcane and, and the slower stuff and, and everybody adopts a standard, then yeah. But I mean, you know, that's not something I want to bet on. There's just so much, you know, so much fuzz on that, that, um, you know, I don't really want to want to pick a fight with that one, especially because it just had such a huge squeeze. So really the only thing that you could convince me is if you, you, we're successfully able to pitch me the case that the equity is a zero or near a zero in ATUS, then I'd say, okay, let's go ahead and get reshort. But that's not something that's, that's not an area of expertise of mine. That's not something I want to pick on. That's not something Folico has a, you know, tremendous view either way on. So I'd leave it alone. So if we do look at like the actual names of the companies that we're talking about here, uh, and I'm going to pull this up here one second. If we do actually talk about the names of the companies, this is on the uh, the three week. So this is where we see the most opportunity. On three weeks, we're actually seeing stuff with these seven names. Does that make sense to you, or is that pulling any kind of specific view out? No, I mean that's that's generally you know kind of what we had going on before um, Zoom. What's happened to Zoom in this recent bounce? That's kind of something that's that's fallen off my. Well, we'll see if Arc is still in it. If so, I'm not going to touch it. Yeah, I mean that's that's an Arc name. Um, so that'll have a, it'll have a big Arc beta down another two percent here today pre market. Yeah, not for me. It's just moved eighty to one ten. I mean that's you know coming into some interesting levels here. Uh, probably not. Um, and that's the problem is a lot of these are just probably nots for me. Uh, Brazil telephones. I mean, I guess if if uh, they have to rig the election over there, they'll do it by by telephone. So maybe you buy the. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's just not like I don't have a. You know, there's there's nothing great to do there, especially because we just had that pretty decent squeeze where things are now up between twenty and fifty percent off the low. So you really have to have some decent conviction in what you're buying if you're buying for follow through here. Um, I'm not, I've been wrong. I've said between 4150 and 4300 is, is the short level in SPY. So, you know, here we are, I'm going to be, you know, right or dead real soon. Um, but I just, I think there are better opportunities than, than, than telecom. Um, especially the XLC ETF is mostly Facebook. So that's the telecom ETF is mostly Facebook. So I wonder, which is so stupid. Uh, no, I mean, it has nothing to do with anything, but, you know, I know that's, that's if, if you have a view on a sector, actually take a view on the sector. I hate it. I mean, it, Google is one of the biggest communication services, right? Right. Mike. So we're, we're I, I want to push us forward a little bit, though, because there is there is a, a divergence. So so far, we've had some good consensus building here. 
But I think where we were talking a little bit a couple minutes before our, our broadcast today, this is the column that we're probably, I'm guessing, going to disagree with the most because the models, near term, not much strength, but in the four to 16 weeks, we're actually seeing a ton of long opportunities and energy. And you mentioned something. So we, we haven't fleshed this thought out. So it, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how this goes. But you had mentioned that sometimes when you see too much in a sector that has weakness in it, that's not a buy signal. It's a contrarian signal. What is that? Yeah. So I came to Folico and, and Cinerai kind of using their data and their output like a technical indicator. Uh, one, of my, one of the things I am very well schooled in is, is technical analysis. So to me, you know, six oscillating lines and uh, looked like kind of stochastics and these, uh, these, these outputs kind of look like exhaustion signals to me, where if you look at a sector and too much as a percentage of that sector is buy, I, I don't wonder if that's not an exhaustion signal and you're supposed to short the sector. And on the flip side, the same thing. So this is something that that I'm definitely going to keep watching is, is this signaling exhaustion? Um, so that, uh, you know, I, I, I haven't, I have probably three weeks of data, so I'm not going to present anything to you at the moment. Um, but that is definitely something I'm watching is if, if a buy or a sell bucket gets outsized for a sector, does that mean everyone's now too excited is basically my thesis. Um, I would suggest it is, um, but that is definitely something that, you know, once we have some more, uh, once I've signalized it for, for lack of a more, uh, you know, struck and white word, um, we'll, we'll come back and kind of talk about how we're using it um, because I know that would definitely be valuable to, to the technician community. Um, to use our data as exhaustion points and exhaustion signals, I think, uh, to the extent you can, you have a system that's good at doing it, it's very, very helpful to kind of figure out once a sector has overheated or it's now cool enough to, to, to pick back up for a long. And one thing that I, I want to add in this is that I think the, the market context in which you, you form the, the hypothesis is extremely relevant here. Because in, in working with this data for the past couple of years, I've noticed um, when, when you're in a bear versus bull, all these signals can suddenly start shifting on you a little bit. And so you've got to have that view on the market and its direction in order to really, I think, use this optimally. Yes. And that's what we had talked about where good sentiment in a bull market, you can run on for a long time, you know, um, but in a in a bear market those things kind of snap quickly so yes market context identifying the the risk backdrop is obviously you know paramount um when when doing this yep all right so we are hitting time for today uh appreciate everyone joining us and uh so this has been folico live uh tomorrow we're going to be back with just general stocks to watch tickers that we like tickers that we're going to be adding into our portfolios we are not financial advisors so make sure you invest with your own risk tolerances and do your research appropriately thank you everyone and we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow 8:30 a.m eastern standard time